Clear. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really noise. good background noise yeah right. this is this is the best seat in the house that's right we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got sky riders now. now does that say you cap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> and you're in sight clear left turkey national ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and delta Jack, you want to buy an airplane? Uh, yeah. Uh, Cessna 172B. Okay, B. That's an old e. one. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the Razorback, but with a swept tail. It's the fastest of the boat. Really? Huh. And where'd you find uh, yeah, this? It's Katie's. Uh, she's thinking about selling it. Oh, really? Well, she wants to get her instrument rating, and it's either upgrade the panel and the avionics, or trade airplanes. <laughs> well, this is just. She just just barely got this airplane. She just got her private. She wants to keep going. Well, the good. question is, for how much? Well, that's the question, and she hasn't decided she wants to sell it yet. Um, <laughs> she, she'd put the difference toward you know another Skyhawk or, or an Archer or something like that. I'm trying to get her to get a 182. Mm-hmm. Coming in and out of here, uh, it makes sense. 180 horse, uh, or constant eight, core or, Cherokee. Or, or a 180 or a 180 uh, Skyhawk would be the ticket. Mm-hmm. 180 Skyhawk would be good. 180 Cherokee will come off the ground. The Hershey bar wing one. The Hershey bar wing one. Yeah. Those little puppies come off the ground in ridiculously Lee, short numbers for their wing. Lee has one. It's a project he owns up in, in Maryland. It's it's maybe two weeks from flying down here once he gets to it. Mm-hmm. So um, has Katie been flying enough now that she has a sense of what her her t- typical mission is going to be no she doesn't and that's i spent most of the afternoon sitting over there yesterday afternoon with she and her husband talking about some of this stuff <laughs> uh, what a sacrifice you made to help out well, your friend she, you know it was funny she's got this list of things she needs to go over with somebody and i said all right i'll come over and look and uh, she was she was concerned about uh, some corrosion on her prop and her prop looks better than my prop mm-hmm. um and uh, I said, you know, all you need to do is just keep it clean, wipe it down with some motor oil. And, uh, you know, if you want to paint it, um, you know, we can we can walk you through that, too. Uh, it's not a big deal. But the props in good. Mm. <laughs> the other thing was um, she's got a, a portable intercom that's kind of Velcroed uh, to the floor between the seats. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I want to what do I have to do to make this a four place intercom? And, uh, well, you can do, you know, this, that, or the other thing. You, you can always just pick up a brand new four-place intercom. And I started looking at it. Well, what's the, you know, you could probably convert this to a four-place if you could figure out how to, how to plug in a pigtail. I said, wait a second, what's this coming off the back of it? So I started tracing this wire, and sure enough, you know, there's two more headset jacks in the back seat. So it already is four-place. And, and we tested it, and it works, and it's already four-place. Uh, so, you know, we did have a major victory. Out there yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's totally cool. That's right. That's well, what's right. it like to be in an instrument airplane? Well, it's in a, um, some kind of a vacuum pump or an electrical source. <laughs> for, uh, 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 it's got a Venturi, and the uh, the gyros in it are old uh, AN's tough. They've pretty sure. much shot their wad. 
And so, you know, yeah, it's my understanding. I haven't had the uh, the cowling off of it. It's my understanding this is an O300D, and I don't know if that's normal or or abnormal, but it doesn't seem to have an accessory case, okay, onto which you could mount a vacuum pump. Man, I've got a really simple solution for that. Well, I do, too. Go all electric. Yeah, um, and, but, and, and it, starts here, with a, it starts with a... Uh, uh, Aspen Avionics, well, the, no, 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 the, the no, no, Pilot no, no. PFD. It's like seven. Th- it's seven grand. It's all electric. It's got its own backup, and it makes it gives it all the instruments. Well, that's not a bad. That's not a bad thought, all things considered. Here, because um, she's also got to put in. Uh, if she wants to do anything really serious, uh, she's got to put in an alternator uh, in place of the generator. So yeah. You know, I'm thinking just go all electric, and that's not a bad idea. You know, yeah. At this at this point, if there's no if there's no allowance for well, it, yeah, you know, um, a vacuum um, pump. Well, you, know, you know, vacuum try to pumps, put in stuff that's got its own backup. You're you're yeah, home. Vacuum pumps, you know, five hundred dollars, labor to to install it and all that stuff. So, you know, some more money. Well, you're going to have to have the the regulator valve and the fil- filter set up that's right. That's right. on top of the pump, uh, and then plumb all that stuff. And I would bet those gyros aren't worth plumbing to a new system. No. Uh, so, seriously, you're talking about a grand to do a scratch install on a vacuum system. By the time you get right, and it's it's there. going to be another grand um, for two vacuum instruments. So oh yeah. Two he's, yeah, we yeah, overhauled. It's going to be well. Different. Just yeah, just just yeah. We were pricing them, um, so there's two grand right there, um, and we still needed a you know still need a better electrical source for the airplane. Um, well, and thinking, you don't have an indicator yet. What do you mean? Or does, does the airplane have an indicator, or does it have any kind, kind of, of an app receiver? Yeah, it's got a Mark Twelve. I don't. Oh. I, I don't yeah, it's got a Mark 12. Uh, it's got a uh, Apollo um, VFR GPS. It's like 14 years. Data car is like 14 years out of date. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, don't, they don't move too many airports these days. I was going to say, most of the airports are right where you left. Yeah, them. yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's not that big a deal. Um, she's got a 396. We sat down and spent you know, like an hour going through its stuff yesterday. Um, got it, you know, finally got it. it was, we booted it up, and it was... And um, it was an hour off. So why is it an hour off? So I dived into the menu, and it was set to Central Time. Oh, okay. Oh, because that where is that where it came from? That's where it came from. Yeah. Okay. Well, the 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 most inexpensive uh, Aspen uh, EFD one thousand system get her a primary flight display, attitude indicator, DG, uh, all electronic airspeed, altitude, and air data stuff, uh, and uh, an indicator that'll even work as an HSI if you want to put right. two inputs into it. She could put the GPS and her Mark 12 both on it, on the bottom of it, uh, have everything there. It's got a backup battery, uh, and let the old stuff be the backup. Leave, leave, leave the Venturi in the old instrument. Yeah, well, the, the, she's got she's got to do some work on the vacuum system, irrespective. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, um, Probably be a good idea to take a brush through all the little ports and openings in the venturis. Yeah, because yeah. they're not filtered. No, that's that's um, 
um, I look, I looked at that kind of up close and personally yesterday. And if it were mine, I would take it off, off, uh, take it apart, sandblast it, repaint it, put it all back together. Well, you'll know it was intended to be a serious airplane if the Venturi is heated. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't know if this one is. I don't think I doubt it. You know, I always love that. I don't think. Oh, what's that switch for? Oh, that heats the Venturi. Wow, you got a heated pedo? No, but I got a heated Venturi. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You got some place to keep the hot dogs warm. That's right. You know. That's right. So anyway, we, we you know we spent the afternoon talking about what to do and uh, you know what she wants, what she, her mission is going to be, and and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's so there's a lot that can be had for loving the one you're with, but it does change well, the it does change the yeah. cost equation and the commitment a little bit. Yeah, if she could get 24, I think she'd be doing really well. Um, she could probably get 15 fairly easy. Really? That I, it's that little, huh? I, I just have I, I think of I think of being able to get 150s, 152s for that kind of money. I don't think of being able to get 172s for that kind of money. I guess you can, obviously. Well, it, it's an older 172. Yeah. Um, it's it's strictly VFR. Um, it's it's got you know some maintenance issues. It's it's more than airworthy, but it's you know there's some things that you know could could stand some attention. Um, so yeah, I mean for a, and the the great thing is low time, very low time airframe. It's like it's less than three thousand hour airframe, and uh, really it's about a it's a mid time I guess on the second engine. That's amazing. Well, and, you know that means that uh, the fatigue shouldn't be an issue, and if corrosion isn't. That puppy's got a lot of years left in it. Uh, a lot of years. Yeah. Is it what? What's the engine? Is that an O three twenty? O three hundred. Oh, it's a Continental O three hundred. It's uh-huh. a six cylinder. Six cylinder, one hundred forty five horsepower. Oh. Plus, it's got a cruise prop, and and getting it in and out off this runway on a hot day is not going to be one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a little tight, isn't it? And you're yeah. damn close to sea level. Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, so all the, all of these variables are bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, and we're we're sitting sitting around talking about all this. Yesterday. Well, that that's a that's a great airframe engine combination. I mean, the only thing oh, it's really yeah. Go ahead. That you could improve on it be if it was a one seventy with the same engine. Yeah. From a reliability standpoint, I mean, that's things you know pretty much rock solid. Oh, uh, the only thing I know that's equally bulletproof is uh, Lycoming 0320. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, you combine those. And, and that's what I got. One of the things I was pointing her towards, you know, here's some later model Skyhawks. And, well, I want, I was, I want IFR certified. Well, of course, but you got to keep in mind, you know, IFR certification is just a pedostatic system check. And you got to have the flight instruments. Go read Part 91. got to have the flight instruments. And then, you know, the avionics are up to you. Uh, you that's right. You don't with, have to have an ADF in it. That's right. You can get by with with you can get by with a with a com radio if that's if that's appropriate to the ground facilities to that's be right. used, as they say. It's funny how that definition throws people. It well, really the, the actual it's a lack lack of definition. Right. But I mean, maybe you should say flexibility. Right. Um, but hey, Jack, you go to the trader plane, yeah. and 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 do their uh, advanced search function. And put in a price level below which you want to look for an airplane. Mm-hmm. And you can go in there and put in, say, 25, 25 grand. And if you don't come up with 100 airplane deals oh, uh, yeah. all let's, over let's the map. There. Let's go there right now. 
Uh oh, here we go. Well, while you guys are searching, um, and I want to, I I want to get up up close and personal with this airplane. I didn't. I only saw it from afar when I was down there a couple yeah, weeks ago, yeah. and uh, and I. <laughs> I How will much be time back. did you spend in afar? Uh, I was down there for two and a half weeks. <laughs> Afar, no, no, I get it now. Never mind. <laughs> and he didn't get off that close in person. Right? Yeah, but uh, but I'm headed back because I'm just about. To, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But uh, anyways, I, I'd look take a look at this airplane. I, whether it's or not been, she sells it or not, I'd want to look at it. It's been years since I've been to Afar. Yeah. Welcome, folks, to episode 224. I think of uh, uncontrolled airplane air. <laughs> take two. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to episode 224, I think, of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on uh, Sunday evening, February 13th, 2011. And uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar is uh, two of my good friends who are just giving me a lot of crap this evening, but that's okay. Uh, First of all, Dave Higdon's out there talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, David, how are you doing this evening? I got the sunscreen out today, baby. It was like 50-something. Yeah, because it's been winter there lately. I mean, serious oh, winter. I, I think the dead. I think the dead cow runway is now now uh, uh, snow and ice free, uh, and I'm headed down there tomorrow afternoon to to try to rack up a little bit more Taylorcraft tailwheel time. So. Ooh, very cool, very cool. Do they not routinely plow that runway in the wintertime? Well, we had such a good set of snowstorms back to back with some. Uh, uncharacteristically cold single-digit and sub-zero temperatures here, where it wasn't really attractive to plow the runway because uh, some of it was like ice on the bottom, Mm -hmm. and better let the snow become crunchy for traction than to leave the airplanes nothing but ice. So, uh, you know, in some instances, some of the smaller airports actually are wholly dependent on... uh, on thermal snow removal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not the jet truck, baby. That's the sun. <laughs> yeah, right. And also joining us here in the virtual hangar is Jeb Burnside, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Jeb, how are you doing? I'm I'm spiffy. <laughs> you spiffy. You're still you're you're playing with trade a plane. That's what it is. I'm you're playing with trade a plane. Yeah. 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 Did you find anything? Well, yeah. I'm I'm still looking here. Um. um well, I found 94 at the 25,000 and less level. This and is, the very first one is an error. Okay, this so is all I, models. This is not just 172. I, I found 93. Mm-hmm. And the first one was not an error. The first one was a, um, an RV-10 kit. I'm sorry, oh. a completed, a completed RV-10. Completed. Okay. With, a, with a mistyped price instead of 19. That's, it's that, 100, that's the error I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the error I'm talking about. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about Piper error. Piper arrow. Oh, no, error. 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 Robinson, error, error. Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, well, I'll have to take a look. Uh, I will definitely take a look. And uh, what the heck? Something. My house is falling apart here. I don't know if you guys heard well, that. Well, my computer's. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden decided they didn't want to play. Okay, there it goes. Yeah. Gee, one of them's an Avid Flyer Amphib for 17 yeah. grand? Yeah. Here's a, you know, I'm just I just went by. There's a here's a 75 uh, Grumman American AA1B, mm-hmm. 73 Cessna 172M 249, 79 uh, Beach Skipper for 189. Yeah. Is that the same Skipper you were pitching to me a couple of days ago, David? Yeah, I think it is. It yeah. was. It might have been. Might be. Yeah. 
I don't think a skipper would be a good uh, pleaser for you. I'm not sure, Jack. A skipper? Uh, no, I, I I appreciate the suggestion, David, but the skipper is not my kind of airplane. Um, okay. First of all, it's low wing. Have we have I not gotten this message across yet? Yeah. yeah. Here's a '71 Cherokee 140 for 19 grand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mid time engine, audio panel, dual uh, Terra TX 720 com, 720 channel radios, uh, navs. Uh, um, old uh, King ADF AT150 transponder, no GPS on it, but you know, good VFR airplane. Nineteen nine, nineteen nineteen smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of airplanes out there, and uh, Cessna Cardinal. Okay, how about one with a high wing and a low wing? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that one. The what S1, is it? <laughs> what is it? A Stope Starduster Two. Oh no, 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 no. Twenty-five grand. Um, There's a Pitts S1. Is there a yeah. Pitts? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Where, where is it? Come to Papa. Back up higher. There, there it is. 1980 build, Pitts S1C, um, 500 hours since new, 150 horsepower 0320 with a pressure carb, fixed pitch prop, uh, fabric and paint good condition, alternator always hangered, no damage history. Includes parachute and seekonite kit. Well, there you go. What's seekonite? Okay. Yeah, I that's mean, the that's the material to cover the wing. Fabric. Yeah, twenty grand there. Ooh, seventy three Cessna one seventy two Mike. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Uh, yeah. GPS com uh, King IFR twenty four nine fifty. Really. Yeah, the Mike is a Mike model is what I was flying up in here's Sanford a, for. Here's a while. one for here's one for twenty three grand, uh, forty six hundred total, um, high time engine, uh, Garmin audio panel. It's it's IFR, uh, IFR equipment twenty three grand, but it needs an engine yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of airplanes out there. A lot of airplanes out there. How you oh, doing? Other than right. other than looking at airplanes on uh, trade plane, Jeb. How you doing? What's going on? Yeah, um. Basking in the glow of, of putting another issue of the magazine to bed. Yep, um, yep. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been burning just about everything in sight. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, you've been playing with fire down there. We were doing this a little bit when I was down there, too. Ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh. Have you ever heard Elmer Fudd sing Bruce Springsteen? Uh, I don't know. Does this have to do with playing with fire? Go ahead, Jeb. We'll come. Uh, David, we'll come back to you, Jeb. <laughs> yeah. No, no, go ahead, Jeb. I did. I gotta find the CD. All right, uh, Jeb. You've been you've been trying to you've been playing with fire in your backyard. Yeah, I, I uh, have a lot of um, uh, um, plant material that I've been needing to burn off. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, finally getting around to uh, you know tackling some of that. It's finally dry enough now to tackle some of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a, a small, I don't know, maybe uh, 50 by 100 uh, area of, uh, of grass that had grown up a little bit. It was, it was unmowable because there's so much stuff in it. And I pulled a bunch of logs and, and other stuff out of, this, out of this material and kind of made up uh, a nice big burn pile. Mm-hmm. Uh, but burned the rest of that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, carefully, yeah, uh, and uh, it'll clean. It'll it'll be very cool, uh, very nice little area this spring, I think. Now, is this the area? This is not the area over there in the trees towards the creek, is it? Yeah, kinda. Oh, really? The the one just behind the um, 
the pump house. Yeah, right near the near the pump house there. Anyways, um, for pe- people who don't understand what's going on here, um, Jeb has a big pond in his backyard, and uh, you, you know we we Northerners have a hard time kind of grasping the idea how, of how things grow down there when it can grow basically <laughs> year round, because this pond um, that that was certainly initially very beautiful um, was badly neglected apparently right for a long time. For a long time. And the upshot is that it completely became overgrown with grass, but not grass growing up from the bottom, grass growing from whatever floating on the surface. Just floating on the top of the water. And very, very thick, heavy grass. And and so you've been pulling it, you've been trying to pull it out off the lake, off the pond. Off the lake. Yeah. And uh, you were telling me by email that you've got about half of it clear now? Yeah, but the front half is clear. I can, um, you know, those lights we installed? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, those things come on at night and they reflect on the water all the way to the house. Must be gorgeous. Must be yeah. pretty gorgeous. It's yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Anyways, oh, oh, and I'm Jack Hodgson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for reasons that that are beyond understanding, I am back high atop lookout point in everywhere I look, three feet of snow, Nottingham, New Hampshire. Um, but I'm coming back to Florida very soon, week from tomorrow. I'm gonna go back down for a little while. And, then return here for a little bit, and then then go down for the long sun and fun trip. Really looking forward to sun and fun this year. Okay, here's a 67, 172. Uh, 22 grand in Oskaloosa, Iowa. Had six new continental cylinders put on 892 hours back. 1,900 total time. I'm sorry, 3,400 total time. Uh 19 since 1900 since major 890 since top 22 grand and it's got all the stuff you need for ifr two navcoms transponder indicators audio panel it's not in ifr cert but it could be done mm-hmm. here's mm-hmm. a 22 grand here's another one 67 skyhawk uh for 199 but it's got a run out engine um Nothing, uh, nothing special in the panel. It does have shoulder harnesses. Um, nice running airplane, it says. But that's uh, uh, in Washington State. Um, I don't know. There, there's, you know, t- twenty five will buy you a pretty decent airplane these days. It certainly gets you in the IFR uh, camp. I was going to say it gets you in the game with something that's uh, IFR worthy and travel worthy. Yeah. Here's you know, a Jackie got, 180, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got, got it's, told it's, me once that if you're trying to do serious travel, it's way over schedule, the engine, way over time. Uh-huh. You need you need a 160 knot airplane. Yeah. He said if you're just traveling when you want to and because you want to, he said, man, anything over 100 knots and you're good to go. You just got to recognize that you're going to take a little time to get there. Yeah. Champ guy goes all over America times faster than a car. Yeah, Champ guy flies all over America and is, uh, right. and is you know. Right. So, anyways, Here, here's 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 the one air, one airplane you don't want to buy on this list. What's that? Okay, it's a 1963 Cessna 336. Uh oh. <laughs> Why? Uh-oh, he's right. <laughs> what's what's special about a 336? 336 is the fixed gear version of the Cessna 337 Skymaster ah, okay. with, the, with the front and rear mounted engines. Okay. Well, this is a fixed gear version. Right. The, the 337 was an okay airplane. Yeah. Um, the 336 is like a... 
it's like a cardinal with a 150. Three, three, yeah, it'll perform a little bit better than a 150 cardinal, <laughs> uh, but not that much better. I not guess that much is the, better is the punchline, and it especially won't do all that well when the, when one of the engines decides to take a break. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you, you never have to worry about the gear check. Yeah. This is true. This is so true. What, you, what, you, what else is different than other than the gear is fixed? Well, this one, this one, I'll read the the. Last annual inspection, November 07. Okay. Extensive repairs from Hurricane Katrina, hangar damage, not okay. flown since. Well, there you Need go. Fuel system overhaul to make airworthy. Needs new paint and interior. And they want But 20, it's only 25 they want, grand. They want 25 for that. It, it, if it was a running, sorted out example of the type, it wouldn't be worth 25. Uh, not really. Yeah. Not no. Sorry, it wouldn't. Uh, not when you can buy a Skyhawk for the same money. Why would I want to? Fe- why would I want to feed two engines and go the same basic speeds? Well, and and, and I know Jack in particular is is a high wing guy, but I'm yeah. looking at a Cherokee 180, uh-huh. a 180, yeah, for sixteen fifteen thousand nine hundred bucks. Uh, Total time seven thousand twenty eight on the engine. Wow, you know what that means? Twenty eight on the engine. Yeah. It's probably going to need an overhaul, but you know what that means? It can go twenty eight. That's right. So that oh, next okay. overhaul could it'll last the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Could be. It, yeah. it ain't much cheaper than an O uh, in an O three sixty overhaul, <laughs> and that would be an O three twenty. If I wanted a twin, here's an Apache fifty seven Apache. There you go. Uh, um, one high time engine, the other one's mid time. New props. Well, that's kind of a good props. Deal. That's a great deal if you want to go build some multi time. Yeah. Uh, well, and on top awesome. of that, having the overhaul staggered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 A friend of mine, the overhaul cycles on his, uh, on his Apache come due at the same time. So do the props. And since he's in a 135, they get done. And he's never really figured out how to do them staggered except by doing one ahead of schedule. Right. And that's props and engines both. He's got to overhaul. So, Ooh, here you go, Jack. Yeah. A Piper, a Piper Colt. Yeah. That's a high that's one. Right. Yeah. Well, a Piper Colt. It's like right. a tri-pacer. Yeah, a, that's what I, I wanted to say, tri-pacer. It's like a tri-pacer, right? Yeah, okay. It's, except it's just a two-seat. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. 19 so It's got a smaller two? engine. They're, They're fast. One for 24 knots. For, 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 the, for, the, um, for the horsepower, yeah. Yeah. Now, a, lot, a lot of these will have the big engine reinstalled in them later on. Ooh. I, I think the Colt came with 108 horsepower versus the 150 horsepower of the tri-pacer. Yeah. Well, the Tri-Pacers were 135s and 150s. Okay. Ooh, here we go. An Arantka 11 Chief. Oh, there's some interesting Chief. projects. That's side by side. Where'd you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah there's the Aranka Chief. It's side by side. Aranka Chief's like that T-Craft I'm buying. Uh-huh. There's a T-Craft in here, too. Yeah. Yeah, we got to stop this. 
No, no, no. I just finally found my way to this list. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll come back to all this stuff later on. Ooh, it's uh, one 1946 Cessna 140. Ah, it's disassembled. Got a Continental 85, yeah. metal wings. There's, there's another one up here. 12 grand. There's another one that was under 25 on this list. Let's see if I can find it again. It was on page two. 46 Taylor Craft BC 12D. Oh, here it is. 46.140. Um, 4,000 hours total time. 261 cents major. KX125 Navcom. KX, KT76A Mode C. All metal. Good paint in, in interior. Wheel pants, hanger, da 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 da. Flown reg no outstanding ADs. Flown regularly, formerly displayed by the CAF in their Camarillo, California museum. Twenty-two nine. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. Nope. Here's here we go. Sixty-seven seventy one seventy-two nineteen nine five. There's a Huey helicopter here. That's a project. Yeah, but I know, that's complete. that's going to be a little pricey to get into the air. I know it's not airworthy. Uh, that's that's going to need but, more more resuscitation than than I think you really but want. for your childhood Vietnam flying fantasies. Yeah, here's, a, here's, a, here's an SNJ project. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that great? <laughs> a basket case for a warbird. Yeah, basket case warbird. That's all I need. Yeah, all right. Anyway, twenty five grand will get you some decent aircraft. It sure will. It sure will. What else are we going to talk about here? Um, I don't know. And the funny thing is, none of the stuff that we've talked about, except for that misplaced RV-10 at the beginning, has been experimental or LSA stuff, uh, new LSA well, stuff. It's all been, the, the, some of I it's been that, legacy LSA. But. I think that Pitts might have been uh, experimental. I couldn't, I couldn't tell from the ad. They come in two flavors. Okay. <laughs> i got to close that window. Just to Yeah, we got Yeah, that's getting, that's getting painful. <laughs> no, no, I think it was pretty good. All right, here's the first thing I want to talk about. Um, so here's the news. The news is that some future version of the Android cell phone, the 4G cell phone, is going to like what? going to crap out GPS? Okay, it's not just Android. It's 4G. You've heard this story, right? 4G in general, yeah. 4G, uh, yeah. The, yeah. The is this real? Is right next door to the GPS spectrum. Oh, you're damn straight it's real. I mean, this yeah, sounds like a big, big, big deal. Yeah. It's It's... It is a big deal. It is. It's a big deal. Um, but I, you know, I, I just, I just did an editorial for for the for the magazine on this. We were talking last week about uh, uh, all this testing that they're doing off of the uh, coast of Georgia and um, uh, the area of the U.S. that it was affecting, and, and all this kind of thing. We were talking about, you know, why are they doing this testing? Uh, all this disruption of GPS when they, at the same time, they want GPS to be the sole means of navigation. Right. And we're talking, you know, there's no backup or anything like this out there. And then this thing hit, I'd already put all that to bed. This thing hit about 4G uh, uh, jamming the GPS thing. And what it is, is this company called Light Squared is taking advantage of a loophole in the FCC regs to set up a 4G network. And they're doing it with terrestrial transmitters as opposed to satellites or something, but they're using satellite spectrum. And 
They have hugely powerful transmitters. Very and a lot of them too. And, yeah. And GP, yeah. GPS itself is a fairly weak signal, all things considered. So oh. interference with it is not necessarily a good thing. And this company's, you know, apparently got a green light from FCC to forge ahead and put up all these 4G towers. They're going to hammer, um, um, you know, a lot of the. Uh, um, Excuse me. A lot of the receivers that we use, uh, Garmin did a study, and with one of their 430s, and uh, determined that interference began 15 miles from the transmitter, and by nine miles or thereabouts, uh, they'd lost signal. And this is on a, a brand new, you know, top of the line, uh, FAA. I'm sorry, F aviation grade GPS receiver, and that's just not acceptable. Hmm. Well, and it, you can think about the, the whole underpinning for ADSB and uh, next gen. Uh, you know, the goal here is to get more rapid updates, more accurate fixes using position reporting of WAS corrected GPS signals. That is, whatever position your airplane says it has is what ADSB out will broadcast to the system so it's one thing it's bad enough for the individual aircraft owner to be suffering a, a, a position error a position indication error from this but you think about that error being broadcast as position data to conceivably dozens of other aircraft that might be of interest in staying away from hitting you yeah and all of a sudden, you've got something that's not reliable for instrument work, let alone simple collision avoidance work. It's yeah, uh, like, what, what whiskey tangle foxtrot? I can't imagine this is going to live. I, I can't either, but the whole thing is just stunningly incompetent. It shouldn't uh, have got this freaking far. Yeah, it, it's just, I mean, what are these people thinking? Why are they doing this? And what, what is it they think GPS is? You know, everybody uses it nowadays for everything. Yeah. And you, you and you want to go out there and start tinkering with this nonsense by just rubber stamping some guy's application and go make billions of dollars. Let, let's think about some of the, the implications here. Is the, the incompetence is just stunning. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It, there, there's this whole. Um, I'm sure it'll all get worked out. In in. And you know these guys will get some some other spectrum for nothing or, or very little money in the bargain and go out and, and do their business plan. And that's all great. I don't have any problem with that. But um, it just why 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 are they allowing us to to be messed with in this fashion? I I just don't get it. Mm. Well, there there seems to be a, a a very pervasive attitude in some parts of the business community and by osmosis the public that's had an effect on government, uh, and that's a mistrust of science <laughs> that basically says, prove it. Well, we've got tests to show that this could be really bad for next-gen WASP GPS interferes with the accuracy of GPS receivers. Oh, well, we'll let them go ahead and do this, and then if it really does prove a problem, well, we'll work on a fix then if we need to. It's like, wait, well, wait a minute. All the all the people involved in this have in, in mind the, the millions of lives that are going to be at stake on a daily basis when GPS navigation and air traffic control 
all depend on the accuracy and the integrity of what's being reported. Well, wasn't it the SEC that, that had that brain fart a year ago and came out with this rule that banned the use of 121.5 yeah. uh, ELTs? Yeah. yeah. Isn't, wasn't that the same agency? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Need I elaborate? No, no, your point is made. Your point is made. So last week, I think it was last week, uh, maybe it was the week before, we talked about the uh, the the secret olives people, all right? And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it turns out that uh, um, they've gotten uh, uh, an offer of some help. Um, a, a lawyer uh, out there in the area has offered to uh, help um, the balloonists um, with legal assistance for free. And uh, that's that's kind of cool, I guess. I, is, I, that is very cool. Yeah, and that's that's what it's all about. Is is the guy who's got the biggest pockets can, and can can be in court and filing motions the longest is going is the person who's going to win that. Yeah. So you need that kind of support. Here, a Palm Desert law firm is offering to defend for free any balloonists sued by the owners of an East Valley olive farm. Attorney Robert Gilliland Jr. of Palm Desert said he was quote affronted end quote, by JCM Farming Inc.'s lawsuits against area balloonists when he read about it in the Desert Sun investigation published Sunday. He says, they are trying to bully these balloon companies simply because they don't have the means to defend themselves, Gilliland said. So so that's kind of cool. David, I'm not yeah. sure if you want to elaborate on your little subhead when you posted this in the list. Your, your subhead said, what did it say? Uh, affirming my general feelings about the legal profession. Does this mean that in general you like lawyers? It's in general, I find that lawyers in person uh, defy the stereotype. Mm -hmm. I I, I think I agree with that. As individuals, lawyers are are on the whole. I think think individual, I think there's a large number of individual lawyers who defy the stereotype. Uh, But the stereotype didn't didn't come out of a vacuum. Mm, Okay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, anyways, this particular one, good guy, apparently. I don't know, maybe there's some, some subtext here, but uh, for the time being, we'll assume he's got the, his heart's in the right place, and that's kind of well, cool. It, it, the, the, the aspect of this that really generated a sense of appreciation on my part was this lawyer stepping forward with an offer of pro bono. Uh, uh, that means free, folks. Uh, representation. Uh, now, this is apt to generate some costs that somebody's going to have to pay uh, for things like filing fees and, 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 and paperwork that has to be duplicated and served on mm-hmm. possibly multiple parties that the lawyer themselves shouldn't have to incur uh, for volunteering to help these people. Uh, you know, we're basically talking about copying fees and things like that. Some of that stuff that the clients can do themselves and do in a lot of instances where lawyers are trying to help them out. Right. The lawyer says, well, you know, it's going to cost, if I have to do it, it's going to cost two grand to get all this copying work. But if you go over to the courthouse and copy it yourself, you can do it for 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the sense of, of, of justice in the sense of, uh, of social responsibility here is something that I see more often than I see the ambulance chaser stereotype. Not that they don't exist. I know those guys too. Yeah. 
Now, this the lawyer, the story that I'm looking at here about the lawyer making the offer is from MyDesert.com. It's dated the 3rd of February, so that's over a week ago. Um, is uh, have you guys heard anything more about this, or is yeah, this kind of? Say, have, have they won the case yet? Yeah, I know. Well, I'm wondering. If, well, if there's been any action so at all? It's to be more like a marathon. I, I hope there will be some follow-ups. Yeah, we want to hear more about exactly. this. We want... I hope there, I hope there will be follow-ups on this story. Uh, absolutely, I would very much be interested in how this one comes out. Yeah, I agree. Some status reports. I've been, I've been checking the news outlet site. I have to admit, I have not been checking court filings out there. Uh, because that gets to be a little more involved to do online. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but uh, definitely one of yeah. I'm like you guys. I want to see how this plays out because nothing would help my sense of social justice more than to see this guy help lead a judge to the appropriate conclusion that these people have no standing to keep people from using the airspace as exactly. it was intended and allowed. And why this isn't being done by the FAA continues to disturb me. Well, that's that's another issue right there. Uh, and you know, my experience is is uh, <clears throat> you're not going to get the local congressman. And that's because it's a local matter, according to him. And the FAA is going to stay out of it um, because no one's dragging them into it. If they can stay out of something, um, they'll they'll do it. Um, but the con- local congressman's dollars to donuts is not going to get involved and or request the FAA to come in, so the FAA is not going to come in. I, see, I don't understand. That's the part I still don't understand. I know, because I know, I know. we see the FAA step into municipal issues all the time when a town tries to restrict the use of an airport because, in some way. That's because federal money is involved. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this is, this is basically a private party taking action against uh, another private party. But the fact that the, the 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 protagonists are trying to use the airspace as their property, right. would yeah, no, I, yeah. fall under the same heading as I, an, as a do, as a government we, entity trying to say, "Oh, you can't fly training flights over our air our, over our city." Do, no, do you don't fact, have to do that. Do we do we know in fact that that's the plaintiff's argument here that? They own the airspace. I don't. I'm not sure that's the argument. Um, well, I don't know either. And, and no, they, they are, they're not making an argument that they own the airspace. They're making the argument that anybody using it, counter to how they feel, is going to owe them money. Well, I think that the their lawyer was quoted as saying they're breaking the law. They're they're making the claim that it's against the law for them to fly this low. But At they, least that, that's one story I saw. It's been right. investigated in in in. Uh, Resolved. Yeah. 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 Anyways, we, well, let's we'll, let's maybe do a little research here and, and kind of maybe we can get some real information. We're about keep this. our eyes open, and of course, if any listeners hear something that we haven't, don't you want us be to know shy. What we're talking about is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah, really. Tell us something about this. Anyways, moving on. Um, so somebody explained to me what this whole thing about um, old type certificates being. For attempted to being, um, qual- uh, I don't know what you call it, but uh, considered trade secrets. Um, now this has been been struck down and straightened out and whatnot. But but uh, what was this all about, David? You the one who pointed us to this story. Can you explain to me what the background here is? I'll, I'll try. Uh, basically, let's let me use an example that I saw uh, flying here recently. That's a Culver Cadet. 
Okay. Culver was an aircraft manufacturer here in the Wichita area uh, that used a couple of very bright design engineers named Art and Al Mooney. They built these very small personal airplanes, two seats, mechanical, hand crank, retractable gear, uh, very fast for the horsepower. Well, Culver hasn't been around in, oh, gee, many. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here without checking my references, but I'm going to say since the late 40s, 1940s, since Culver went into the ether. But if you wanted to go get specific information on a Culver cadet from the FAA on the basis that that's an abandoned type certificate, you're wanting to restore one. You may even have parts of one with a data plate that would essentially let you rebuild one legally around the old type certificate information. The FAA can legally deny you that information on the basis that the design information from the 1940s for this obsolete, out-of-production, orphaned airplane is a trade secret Mm -hmm. that belongs to the company that no longer exists. Okay, but now that's been that's been an issue for many an old airplane, uh, Taylor Craft, uh, uh, older Moonies, uh, Culvers, uh, older Ronkas, old uh, uh, Luscombs, old uh, oh Jiminy, uh, Vikings, right, uh, Stinson Vikings. Uh, getting information so that parts can be rebuilt, remanufactured, so the existing airplanes can be airworthy and in the safest possible condition. Well, now, before this we move has on, been over and over again. Yeah. Now, tell me a little bit about what what kind of information is contained in these type certificate, you know, packets or whatever. I mean, is there like blueprints and and well, drawings? There's there's material specifications. There's. Uh, um, Stuff that's not in the type certificate uh, data sheet itself is basically how to build the airplane. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the court has struck down though this whole notion that they should be protected well, as trade secrets. Yes. Two, no. Two two things. One, I, Dave, I don't know. You know, I don't know why you're talking about the Culver Cadet. There's a case here that we're talking about that no, involves it's not. A, a 30s vintage Fairchild F45, which was a um, twin engine, probably seated six or eight people. Um, and there's like only 10 of them ever made. And, but there's a Fairchild company that is now engaged in real estate that says it owns, <clears throat> it owns the type certificate and is familiar with it and is, is you know, actively you know, using it and all this nonsense. And, and attorneys for the, for the people that want this access to this information put the guy on the stand, and he couldn't you know, tell anything basic about the, the uh, type certificate or anything like that. It was, it was clearly, you know, they're just trying to hang on to their paperwork as long as they can. The court recently said that, um, I'll quote it, the, the FAA has not demonstrated the materials sought by the plaintiff are secret and commercially valuable as necessary to demonstrate that they are trade secrets protected from disclosure. Um, and this is under a, a Freedom of Information Act request of, from the FAA. There are certain exemptions to FOIA requests um, the FAA was trying to assert one of them, um, the, the um, secret and commercially valuable uh, um, uh, trade secret uh, exemption to the FOIA request. And what the court basically said is that the FAA's argument is blowing snow 
and the FAA has 60 days now after this ruling in, in mid-January to file an appeal of the ruling. Otherwise, the data gets released. So I, I take it then that um, that all of this background material that's part of the type certificates is not routinely available, or is it? That's correct. It's not routinely available. Okay. So there must be some aspect, though, of the type certificate that is public information. Is that that summary that you're... That's, that's the type certificate data sheet. The data summary, sheet, yeah, okay. That yeah. I was mentioning. TCDS. And uh, all of those are honest. All of them, I presume all of them, are available on the FAA website. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a handy thing to have if you own an airplane. Right. To have that in your paperwork. Um, it will list, you know, for, for my airplane, for example, it lists... Uh, acceptable propellers, acceptable alternators, um, you know, right there on the type certificate. So when you're shopping for parts, um, and, and you know what you have is is perhaps unavailable, there's an alternative that's just a bolt-on, no paperwork problem. Yeah, things like that. So it sounds like this Fairchild example is a little a little iffy because there's somebody around laying claim. Are, have there been cases where true well, orphan designs have had their type certificate information given the Culver, up? The Culver is one example, but it, it's it's a little bit more convoluted than that. Is is the way you characterized it? There's a link in this AOPA article um, to an article written by Mike Pangia. Mike uh, is a D.C. area attorney, uh, airplane nut, owns a, a Stearman, um, some other airplanes. Uh, but he's, he's one of the good guys in the, in the FAA legal uh, uh, fraternities. Uh, there are several others, but Mike's, Mike's a good one, too. Um, but he wrote an article about the trials and tribulations of, of this case, and there's a link to that article off this FAA, uh, or, I'm sorry, off this AOPA news story. Uh, and the whole thing was just incredibly convoluted. Basically, FAA is taking the side of the corporate uh, the corporation every chance it can get, mm-hmm. um, and not you know not really doing its job. They're coming up with you know bogus bogus examples, bogus arguments, and whatnot. And, they, and eventually, all this stuff gets struck down. It's the same thing. It, uh, I don't know if Mike was being compensated, and if so, how he was being compensated to to work on this case. But the FAA's legal services are basically free. Right. Uh, and and it doesn't cost them anything to go to court. It certainly costs the citizen a good bit to go to court, and that's what this has been all about, try to just wear them down. And uh, this is the same thing we saw with this balloon thing out in California. So they all have... Well, this, this um, became an issue with the FAA and the antique community years and years and years ago. Oh, yeah. It's been around. This, this whole idea of releasing this old data has been out yeah. there for a long time. And And they've made little advances from time to time into doing a better job of working with uh, what they considered bona fide interest in the antique community, like uh, Type Club could have had better luck getting information from the FAA on orphan type certificates than the individual who went after the information on the Fairchild uh, 45 on this case. Uh, Because he wasn't uh, part of that type club institution because there was no dip, big type club for that type. I mean, there were only about a dozen of them built to begin with, so you're not going to have a big right. big pool to draw from. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there have been, been steps. Going to be really small. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So, um, 
Let's see now. Moving on. Anyway, uh, it's good to see some progress made here in this yeah, case. Yeah. And we're hoping that it can happen in other areas without this much time spent going to the dentist. Yeah. I mean, I, I and the, from when I what little I read about this, I was thinking that this was more of a general precedent and that it, this was going to open up a lot more of the old type certificates, but hearing the way you guys are describing it, I'm thinking that's not the case. It that may is, well because the 60 days for the FAA to appeal have not yet run out. But it right. may just the apply FAA to this the FAA likely to to appeal it. Um, and, you know, it could be, you know, some other delay, some other wrench in the works, whatever. Uh, but they'll have to come up with some new argument or, or uh, grant some other exemption to um, uh, this, this Fairchild real estate company that somehow owns the type certificate uh, or has claim anyway to this type certificate but doesn't really have it in its possession. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I Score one for the good guys so far, but um, this is only maybe the seventh inning. Yeah, yeah. So okay, that was a baseball reference. <laughs> so the one I want to talk about is the study, the information that came out recently that maybe there isn't enough money to pay for the aviation system. You know, um, <laughs> the trust fund is running out of money, and the whole you yeah. know the story I'm talking about here. Is this is you know I mean and I asked in our notes here I said is this real or is this just ATA propaganda is this just the airlines trying to you know well it's it's not so much ATA propaganda the General Accountability Office um, GAO the the bean counters in the federal government they came out with a, a report in uh, December that noted that the airport and airway trust fund uh, had dipped to around $300 million in its unobligated balance, and that's really, really low for the trust fund. Mm -hmm. um, it's bounced back to around $770 million um, for the end of 2010, fiscal 2010, the end of which was in, back in September. Um, What the GAO was pointing out was that if, if the FIA wants to continue to spend some money, they need to uh, figure out why they're not getting all of the uh, income, you know, all the revenues they thought they were getting, and what they can do to, to do, do what they can do about it, and, and uh, maybe some create some efficiencies or something like that. They raised the old herring of, you know, what are the what are the best ways to collect these these revenues and and uh, are the revenues appropriate and all that kind of stuff, basically saying, gee, why don't we set up a brand new bureaucracy to do all of this when mm -hmm. what we have is working just fine. Okay? Yeah. It doesn't cost anybody a whole lot of money to, to remit these funds and pay them and have them all come into the system. We don't need a bureaucracy. The system works fine. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the punchline in all this was that... Uh, um, the revenues coming into the trust fund aren't keeping up with expenditures now or, or very, very closely keeping up. Let's put it that way. There's no real surplus involved here. And, and is this a new and, thing or has it has been this way all along? No, it's a fairly – well, it's, I won't say it's been this way all along. I won't say it's new. What happens, no, it, 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 what's happened is over the – over the last ten, well, let's say ten years ago, the trust fund had a a nice surplus. The money wasn't being spent down as quickly. But what's happened is is I mean, in my mind, what's happened here is the well, let's let's back up. The vast majority of the uh, funds going into the airport and airway trust fund 
are generated by taxes on airline tickets. Okay, yeah. end, of, end of discussion. Probably 80%, 90% of what goes into the trust fund comes from that single tax. <clears throat> What's been happening to airline tickets over the last several years? One, they're only, only recently selling a whole bunch of them. Okay, so there's just now we're seeing some, some comeback on uh, airline profits and, and airline operations. Uh, but mainly the prices have been going down for competitive sake, uh, competitiveness' sake, and all of these other little fees are being tacked on to check a second bag, to have dinner, yep. to you know wipe your butt. And that's and not subject those, to the excise tax. Those aren't subject to the excise tax. Hello, come in. Yeah, exactly. And all these all these other fees are being paid, but they're not the tax on airline tickets. They're they're not airline tickets, so they can't be taxed. That's well, what the, the problem is. The yeah. airlines pay four point four cents per gallon on airline fuel. That's it. So well, when they start pissing and moaning about being the most uh, the most taxed business in America, uh, they're really, they're really kind of playing a little sleight of hand here because their passengers pay more in taxes than they do. And GA pays its fair share in a fuel tax, too. Yeah. And what's well, funny yeah, about I mean, their the, 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 the ATA... Tax. Hang on one at a time. David, finish your thought. Well, the funny thing about the ATA's uh, uh, spooling up of this campaign is that the GA community two years ago agreed to see their fuel taxes increased uh, in support of NextGen in particular. Not operations and salaries in particular, but specifically to help it, uh, fund next gen. Mm -hmm. So GA's already agreed to see its taxes go up to do this. The airlines are pissing and moaning about their 4.4 cents per gallon and crying like they're paying what the airline passengers are, and they're not. Yeah. Jeb, my, go ahead. My, my, two other things going on here. It's funny because I wrote up all this stuff in my editorial in, in, in the magazine last month, but punchline is there's two other things going on. Um, in addition to this, all this you know stuff off the coast jamming GPS signals, and we got all this. Now who's going to be funding next gen fight going on between the airlines and the FAA? And the airlines don't want to uh, have a, an increased ticket tax to pay for all this, and the airlines don't want the the the, the bag checking fee to be taxed you know, for all this. Um, in the meantime, the FAA just gave JetBlue. $4.2 million to equip 25 of their aircraft with ADSB equipment, with yeah. next-gen equipment. Mm -hmm. And Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah. Okay? Where's mine? Yeah. I it's, believe there was a blog how much, post about how much that. Am I gonna, how much am I going to yeah. get to, to, to equip my airplane with next-gen? I know. Yeah. I believe now, there was a blog post that said that we're ready for our close-ups, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But now, at the same time, there was a story floated that there's not going to be any money in the FAA bill, um, which is what's going on here is they're finally trying to get around to doing an FAA reauthorization. And it's going through the Senate. It went through the Senate some of the way anyway last week and still got some ways to go. But these are all some of the issues that are being decided up there right now. There's some members of Congress. There's some members of Congress also want to take the FAA trust fund, the Airport and Airways trust fund, out of the lockbox situation that's in now, 
which should be a cue to handcuff your briefcase, put both your hands on your ass, and not let go of any of it. Because when they say they want to unlink FAA excise tax revenues from funding FAA programs, that means that they want to pick your pocket even more. Yeah, but they've been talking about doing... You might be having to grab your ass with both hands, but it's not going to be a pleasant thing. (laughs) Jeb, you got stepped on there a few minutes ago. Did you want to finish your thought? No, I was done. Okay. So... uh, so this is just kind of a big mess. I mean, on one level, this is just, you know, they're looking for more money somehow, some way. But uh, I don't know. Is this Has something changed really fundamentally here? Or is this just more of the same, just put a different well, way? It's, they, just, they, it's more blatant. Yeah, it's Jeb, go. Blatant, that's all. Yeah. The same thing's been going on for, for years, decades. But it's just now it's just much more blatant in... in they're not even. They're not even stopping. They're not even trying not to smile when they do this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. David. Well, there, you know, there's no denying that there was a drop off in air travel. There was a drop off in airfares. There was a drop off in GA flying. All of those had an effect on revenue to the airport and airway trust fund, which at the time this started happening had an uncommitted balance. They ran into the tens of billions of dollars. But that uncommitted balance no longer exists. Uh, that's not a signal to add user fees. That's not a signal to unlink FA, uh, trust fund revenues from FAA projects, as some wanted it. That's one of the reasons why we've had an uncommitted balance that hadn't got spent away like the Social Security surplus. But that's going to get us into trouble if we start going down that yeah. So okay. just, let's just say they need to get an authorization bill. If they're going to increase excise taxes on GA like GA's agreed to, let's do it. But let's not be tricked into this BS, this blowing snow. We need to invent a new, expensive, unnecessarily costly system to go to a different system. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. David, what's, what, which item did you want to talk about here? Which white? You said there was one you didn't want to skip. Oh, the one I don't want to skip is about the good member of Congress. <laughs> getting no. yeah. Oh yeah, the I'll senator. The senator got his wrist slapped, huh? He got that a letter. Be my shout out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, well, let's do that then. All right. All right. That's yeah. All right. We'll come back to that. Let's see now. What else? We've uh, we had so much fun reading trade plane that we've uh, I've been jumping around this list today. What else oh, do I want? List? Oh, I should yeah. go look at. What else did I want to talk about before we uh, before we move on here? Some of these things can say that it was really windy in Australia. It was really windy in Australia. How windy was it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> So the the uh, the uh, the the METAR was was that was being passed around said one six zero one hundred gusting one forty, which is like that's, that's knots, kitties. That's, that's knots. That's pretty windy. That's pretty windy. It was that's uh, pretty knotty wind. hundred gust. I I didn't even think you know it's like, I guess is it METARs that the that temperature above a certain point gets gets uh, abbreviated in a different way, but apparently apparently no, it's, uh, it's, it's well it's METARs or CAFs the. Uh, I guess actually, but, caps wouldn't have a temperature, but METARs will have uh, an M in front of the temperature value 
when it's negative number. Yeah. Oh, no, you know what it is? It's winds aloft. Winds aloft um, oh, above a certain okay. speed is like notated in a different way, and it right. always makes my head hurt. Um, but obviously here in the in the METAR, the, uh, they can just put 100 gusting 140. And, uh, and I didn't realize when this was going around, getting handed around on the Internet and by email between various people, I didn't realize that this was part of a – I actually thought this might be a typo, but it turns out it wasn't. This is a, a hurricane, basically. What do they call it? Something different down there. Typhoon. Typhoon. Cyclone, uh, but I think they call it a cyclone, and I think they call it typhoons in Asia or something like that. that uh, they call it a bad day. Yeah, but but regardless of what you call it, I mean that's that's a pretty big hurricane. Uh, if you're a little piggy, and you got two brothers, two of the three of you are losing a house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, what else here? Let's see now. Uh, you don't no. want a hanger. You don't want a hanger. You're barren in a straw hanger. Yeah. Um. Uh. No. I guess I'll make that a shout out too. Shout outs. Let's just do shout outs. What do we got here? Hey, it's almost that time. Here's the shout. First shout out. I want to turn something into a shout out here. I just want to recommend everybody track down this uh, video. Uh, this sort of. Uh, a speeded up uh, video out the uh, cockpit window of an aircraft uh, arriving at LAX. Um, Isn't that cool? It was a cool little video, yeah. yeah I'll, have to, I'll have to load that. I typically don't. Um, it just, you know, it was very, very oh, it's pretty. Gone. It's gone now. It's gone? Oh, that was gone. This video has been removed by the user. Oh, man. We'll have to find another link to it. It's out there someplace. Get out. Uh, oh, that's too bad. We'll have to find he, it. And he had a, and he had the real time one, which was much more boring. Yeah, no, no, but no, the the one we saw wasn't boring at all. Someone no. estimated that that it, that it, it was sort of roughly the equivalent of traveling Mach one, um, the, the way they had sped it up. Um, but it didn't seem. I mean, he was definitely moving along here. But to see him uh, uh, flying this particular approach into LAX, um, uh, I, li- I particularly liked. That they didn't end it when he touched down on the runway. He actually also taxied at Mach one too. And uh, yeah. So uh, and 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 you really haven't lived until you've been on an airplane that takes a 90 degree turn at Mach 1. Yeah, I know. So uh, it was a very attractive video. Now, that's that's too bad if it's gone. It's, it's got to be out there someplace. These things... You know, find it. Find it. I wouldn't mind looking at it, but once, I haven't looked at it yet. Once something's been on the internet, it's there forever. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll have to find it. Okay, we'll so... We'll try to find it. Yeah. So anyways, that was my first shout-out. Who's got a shout-out? David, what do you got? Uh, <laughs> Jim Oliphant. Yeah. Jim James is a is a uh, employee of a national organization's aviation insurance agency, and he's turning fifty in July. Mm-hmm. And half owner of a Mooney that he is, he's decided that he's going to try to do fifty airports in one day for his 50th birthday and ah. turn it into a fundraiser for the American Cancer Society. And God bless him yeah. for that. But that's yeah. how in the world do you do that? How do you do 50 airports in a day? That's two you an start, hour. You start early yeah, and you keep yeah. them close. I, but get, get a chart out first. Where? What part of the country is going to do this? Where is he going to find 50 airports? Oh, this airports? is all going to be in, inside the state of Kansas. Well, I suppose there's lots of little airports there, but uh, you got to find do- 50 airports all within half an hour of each other. It'd be right. easier to do it in Rhode Island. <laughs> no, no, there aren't 50 airports. Well, there probably are. No, maybe there aren't. He, on, he's going to do this on. He's going to do this on May 19th. Uh huh. He is, of course, soliciting donations. Uh, 
toward the his uh, American Cancer Society goal. He wants to try to raise five grand, and so far he's up to about seven hundred dollars. So uh, something to take a look at. Uh, I met James at a, a a little soiree at Wichita State University's baseball park back last spring, and. We talked about flying a little bit, and uh, he wasn't familiar with UCAP, but he is now. And uh, his Mooney, and we talked landing techniques for airplanes with very short landing gear. Uh, what you do about that ground effect and all that stuff. And then he uh, emailed me a few days ago about his uh, 50-50 flight for life. So it's like, That's oh, very cool. It's very there's- cool. There's something for which there's something for which a video camera should be running. Fifty airports in a day, yeah. Fifty airports yeah. in one day. That's something we should video and uh, just again do this. Do the same thing they apparently did on this lax arrival. Um, speed it up. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be very cool. Well, we wish him good luck on this, and we'll put a link to uh, to his uh, his uh, donations page in the uh, show notes. You should check it out. It's, uh, but you can, well, see, it's kind of hard. It's acsevents.org. There's a big, long URL. Um, but it's uh, the American Cancer Society's website, and it's uh, an events portion of it. We'll put the link in the show notes, and you should check it out. Maybe right. we'll probably put right. it in the blog as well. You guys Be sure you let him know it came from UCAP. If yeah, you there you go. Right. Yeah. Jeb, go ahead. Are you guys ready for the coup de gras here? Yeah, what do you got? Absolutely. My um, shout-out is to Robert J. O'Keefe. No one really knows Robert J. O'Keefe unless you're familiar with the uh, Tulsa FISDO. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's Oak City FISDO or maybe <laughs> it's headquarters. I don't know. Well, anyway, Robert J. O'Keefe is an FAA aviation safety inspector. Mr. O'Keefe got the short straw. <laughs> he was letter to Senator Inhofe Talking about Senator Inhofe's boo-boos back from October of last year. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, are the good <laughs> senator back in whenever, last somewhere, apparently October 21, 2010, landed his Cessna 340 on a runway at the Port Isabel Cameron County, Cameron Country, Texas Airport. Uh, the senator, I'll, I'll just quote from the AvWeb story. Uh, the senator's then chosen runway was marked with large X's and littered with a large red truck, other vehicles, and construction workers. No one was injured as a result of the incident, but Inhofe, in, in fact, landed there. Later on, Inhofe said about his failure to check NOTAMs uh, and or the, ep- the entire episode. Unfortunate, I'm sorry, but I'm not really concerned about it. Regarding NOTAMs, he told the TulsaWorld.com website, people who fly a lot just don't do it, i.e. just don't check um, NOTAMs. And then, of course, Inhofe still maintains that he did nothing wrong. Well, into all of this um, was thrust aviation, FAA aviation safety inspector Robert J. O'Keefe. Okay. Our hero. Our hero, yeah. our hero, our hero. Uh, short straws are us, Robert J. O'Keefe. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, uh, he wrote the letter to this to the good senator, um, 
saying basically um, the senator was advised in the letter that his actions were contrary not not a violation there, <laughs> yeah, just, but, <laughs> but but contrary <laughs> to sections ninety one dot thirteen a, which is not coincidentally careless and reckless, careless and reckless, and far far ninety one dot one hundred three a, which has to do with pre flight actions. Okay, and um, uh, the letter says based on quote satisfactory completion of the remedial training program, unquote. Legal action will not be pursued, and the letter itself will be a matter of record for two years, after which it will be expunged. So um, keep your copies, kiddies. That's In right. two years, well, they'll be collectibles. Mr. O'Keefe, hats off to you. Uh, I, I hope, you know, uh, um, hope, you got a, um, hope you got a lot for having to draw that short straw. Uh, thank you for playing. <laughs> And, and for what it's worth, the good senator's training included four hours of ground instruction and three hours of flight instruction. Where did was you find provided by an instructor who had previously been a student of the senator, according to Tulsa World. So no conflict of interest there. Yeah, uh, Jeb, it's in, it's, that's in the, uh, the, the second half of the first paragraph there. I, I didn't, okay, I, yeah. I didn't see that. So, so here's what my question is that the, uh, the, so it's going to be on, the, the letter will be on file for two years after which his record will be expunged. My question is, uh, we now have a lot of data. We can figure out what is Senator in, Inhofe's mean time between violations and uh, figure out whether or not. <laughs> mean, no, his, mean, mean time between, uh, what, what's the half-life of an Inhofe flying store? That's, <laughs> what we, that's what we want to know. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the, the poor you know, guy. You know, he, he's lost propellers. He's he's had this this landing on the closed runway thing. There's, I'm sure, I know there's a couple of other things out there. I just can't remember what they are. What's the half life of an Inhofe flying story? That's that's <laughs> that's the title of the episode. And you know, that's, that's, that's where we And are. if there's anything really totally unfortunate about this, in my view, it's the attitude that, that goes with the quote. From the senator, it's unfortunate. I'm sorry, but I'm not really concerned about it. To which I say, I want to keep track of when you fly because I still don't want to be in the airspace with you because you don't seem to have any appreciation of the information you're required to obtain before you fly. And that makes you reckless careless and dangerous and i don't want to be anywhere within oklahoma's airspace senator thank you especially for playing but seriously faa aviation safety inspector robert j o'keefe thank you thank you sir and good job and we hope that if this happens again that you won't have to be reminded of this incident to remember it in the next uh time there's something done contrary to the FARs by the good senator. Yeah. Okay. Any other shout-outs? No? I mean, <laughs> you're not going to top that. That's what we were. I thought yeah. that's what we were doing. Nah, it's, we're not going to top that. Hey, uh, David, Dave Higdon is, a, is an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Hang, hang, hang on a second. Hang on. What, 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 they, have what? A, they have a U.S. editor. How many other editors do they have? I know, really. Do they need one in, in, in Barbados? <laughs> well, they, they, they just might, as long as you don't mind working from Hidden River. 
<laughs> David, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, avbuyer.com, AEA.net, aviationsafetymagazine.com, davehigdon.biz. Uh, or if you're looking for something archival, do a wild coin toss, roll the dice, Google me, and read something that's older than 2006. And Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com. That's the day job. AEA.net is another place, another outlet. Uh, AFWeb.com is another outlet. You can always uh, check out my personal website at JEBurnside.com if you're looking for a great example of a 90s-era website. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. We're also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the new and blue... I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it through the whole thing. You can read the improve. I know. I was waiting for you to stop so I could pick it up and Laura left off. You can read the new improved blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, you were going to say something. Uh, the best way to not become an old fart is to go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. AMF. Members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Oh, and real pilots fly Cessnas. It's off too. <laughs> Okay. David, what was the Elmer Fudd reference you made earlier? Oh, there was a Robin Williams bit years ago where he did Elmer Fudd singing Bruce Springsteen, and it starts like this. <laughs> I'm driving in my car. It's okay. I turn on the radio, and you make me feel hot. Bye, yeah. Uh.